0: You, you have in the notes that the cold open is a freezing cold open. Yeah, it's wintertime. It is wintertime. It's so fucking cold here. It was like minus three degrees last night. We only got the minus one, but it was still really cold. I, I woke up at like four or five in the morning, really, really needing to go pee. And I couldn't bring myself to face the cold. So I think I sat there or lay there for about half an hour. And the way I justified it to myself was that it was like I had a hot water bottle inside of me. So I was better off that's really gross, Richie. Jesus Christ. Is this how we're going to introduce people to the show today? Really? That's what we're doing? Is it? I was about to make a joke about how there was no point because if you tried to pee, you would have just frozen midstream and you would have been there with the pee icicle hanging out of your willy. But that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> you just snorted. <laughs> I've been snorting more. I had a conversation about this in work lately. I've been snorting way more when I laugh lately. Is this like a Is this the thing that happens as you get older and your sinuses start failing or something? But I've been snorting way more. I never snort, and I'm older than you. That's true. And you're a direct representation of what my future body will be. Ah, I doubt it. It's like two feet less, two stone more. Yeah, well, you don't know what could happen to me in the future. (laughs) You just get compressed. (laughs) Uh, That's a pretty good enjoy, I guess. (laughs) Do it. We're back to, we're back to it. Uh, so should we should we talk a little bit about what the show is for our new listeners? Yeah, we always forget. It's to more. Do that. It's more than just talk about pee. It, yeah. We. It, what was the last one? Farts. I think. <laughs> god damn it! Oh god, we need to we need to relook at our. We need to rebrand. <laughs> yeah, you need uh, less teal and more urine colors on the artwork. Oh, stop it! Stop it! Stop it! But what what is this show? What 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 am what am what am Two years ago, you sent me loads of drunk messages from America saying that you wanted to know more about politics and you thought, why just ask Steve, you should record podcasts. And somehow it's ended up that we are a relatively successful podcast of two Irish dudes talking about politics every two weeks. And we're on the HeadStuff Network, and I just completely fumbled that. But I think you get the gist. Yeah, no, that's good. Relative being the operative word there when it comes to success. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, no, we are, we are. We've done live shows. <laughs> yeah, we've done live shows. We've talked to important people. Yeah, exactly. Jer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Donal. We graduated from just our mates our, to, yeah. uh, to, to people like our, our guests who we will talk about later on. Yes, who is also someone I went to college with but has become independently successful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Despite of your affiliate, being affiliated with you, they have become successful people in their field. Well, I mean, they just completely deleted me and blocked me on every single possibility and going, Steve who? <laughs> and then you started a fake Facebook account with a moustache over your own moustache and tricked her into adding you. Yes, well, and, and actually did. Yeah, we got I brought, I'm back on Facebook in a secret way and it's got a picture of Hercules wearing a hat. So. Oh, well, that's not far off what I just said. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Is he catfishing people? And we have to tell the listeners there's some bad news about Hercules. Oh, shit, no. He has hip dysplasia. <gasps> what? Yeah. How, what does that mean so for a puppy? It's quite common in Labradors, um, but normally you don't see the effects until they get a lot older, but poor Herc has been kind of showing them as he's got um, a bigger boy. He has been kind of waddling and slowly getting up and like he used to do this thing where he would like really slowly get up on the couch as opposed to just hopping up which we thought was hilarious but now we (laughs) realise it's because his back legs aren't developing right so there's a space between his hip bones and his pelvis um, or whatever the joints of his of his legs and his hip bones and it's Basically means he needs extra love and care for the rest of his life. Oh, does he need me to be like a live-in nurse for him? Uh, yeah, we'd absolutely take that. Because he's still a little shit most of the time. Little Jercules. Like, he, uh, I bought some new <laughs> I bought some new lamps in Ikea and he chewed one. I don't know how he managed to do it, but he chewed it up. Why did you chew a lamp? There's so much more chewable things in your house. I've been in your house. He chewed them. There's a lot of more chewable things in your lamp. He's chewed them all before. Oh, has he? Okay. This, this was something new that he wanted to get his uh, little Jercules mouth on. Oh, bless him. So yeah, yeah, he needs, uh, he's going to be on special food supplements. He has to be a skinny Labrador. Um, he can't have extreme exercise. He kind of have to try and keep on lead. And he's going to need to get something called hydrotherapy, which is basically like special swimming classes to build up his muscles. Oh, that must be so cute. Does he get a little swimming hat and goggles? <laughs> I'm going to demand it. Oh my God. Send pictures please and we'll stick them up on the Instagram. Actually, yeah, when he's getting hydrotherapy, We'll, can you take pictures we'll put them up on at what on politics on Instagram absolutely so I'm just if that's not motivation to follow us on Instagram I don't know what I'm is telling, get I'm on I'm telling it. all your listeners because I know that a large part of why you come to this is the photographs of the dog so just to let you know that the puppy is a sick puppy now he's going to be tiny Tim for the rest of his life Oh, but still. My we're going to make we're oh. going to make him as happy and comfortable as possible. Like I said, he still doesn't realize that he's got this problem. He's still just a little shithead puppy teenager face where he just sits barking at Ted, while Ted just looks at him and like whining at me without telling me why and then like what do you wa- what do you want? It's so unfair that you have two dogs and I have zero dogs. Well, I know that we average out at having one dog each for this podcast, but it's the distribution is really making me sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ted's only half my dog. He's my parents' dog, so that's about it. Okay. Anyway. Still more than me. That's that's the news that people are going to get because we're recording this um, a bit ahead of time. Oh, that's I'm right. I'm going to be away on vacation, so we, we're not going to be able to do actual news. So we're giving you no. more important Hercules news instead. <laughs> <laughs> Herc dates. Herc, Herc dog news um, let's try pop se- dates pup dates let's, pup date. let's try a, a pup dates pup dates brilliant we go. let's try a segue oh, so a little boys like puppies don't they Richie <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> yes And um, little boys are considered youth yeah, uh, yeah, yeah by definition so somehow conversations switch to talk about youth politics sorry I'm going to stop for a second <laughs> My girlfriend Kate. I'm recording my room, and Kate's sleeping in the background. And she started snoring, and I don't want it to get picked up on the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on one second. (laughs) You snorted again. (laughs) sorry sorry about that. (laughs) Did you just like shake her and tell her to stop snoring? I just gave a very gentle (laughs) nudge. She shot up like there was an earthquake. What? what is it uh, uh, okay can this be in the show <laughs> she says yes <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh, yeah Then we're going to talk about youth politics yeah and that seamless segue that I just gave
1: does that mean I can use my baby voice Stephen
0: oh I forgot that this was a thing <laughs> I completely blacked it out of my mind oh that is disturbing as hell <laughs> Uh, no, it's not Stephen. It's adorable. Oh, the nightmares are coming back. Oh,
1: Steve, let's talk
0: all about politics. Oh, Stephen, this feels like there are tiny little babies crawling over my skin with your head on them. It's horrible, <laughs> oh, no, like God. like little that's... spider babies, but with oh, your hairy it. head. Okay. That's what it feels like no. up and down my okay, spine. I mean, you've ruined that voice for me. Good. <laughs> so why why are we talking about uh, this, Steve? Because I thought politics was for big. It was a big boys and girls subject, not not for little chidlers. Well, it is. Yeah. But at the same time, lots of people are young and they're citizens too, so they kind of get forgotten about until suddenly people remember that they're there when they decide to come out and vote on things like the marriage equality referendum or the Eighth Amendment or I think like all of a sudden tweeting about Jeremy Corbyn and people are like, oh yeah, young people, we forgot about them." Yeah, that whole um, momentum movement around him was motivated really by the youth. Yeah, well, they they called it the youth quake and they kind of attributed that to why he didn't get totally beaten or like... There was that thing in the 2017 election where he lost, but people still thought he won because of confusing yeah. reasons. But anyway, and then oh, they were like, oh yeah, young people. Um, anyways, I personally don't think that anyone under the age of 30 should be seen or heard at all. I think they should just shut up. <laughs> they should go away, and they should let hey. they should let the world be organized and run by the people who know better. Hey, hey, Steve. Yeah. Come on. What? I'm I'm under 30, Steve. Case. You like me. Case in point. Oh no. <laughs> Is this because of the pee hot water bottle? <laughs> the crawling I'm the sorry. crawling Richie babies over my skin. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, well, there's an assumption that people kind of just tend to get more interested in politics as they get older, which is kind of true, oh. I suppose. But I mean, there there's like life reasons for that. I guess as you get older, you're more likely to have a mortgage or kids. So you're starting mm-hmm. to think that you're more... In, you have to be more invested or interested in what's going on around you whereas when you're a young person and you're just flying around with your skinny jeans and your mocha frappa chino latte mm. doing whatever it is that young people do flipping bottles of water to try to get them to land on their bottoms I could never do that uh, I did it once that's the end of that story <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah. But as I said, things like the repeal of the eighth shows that whenever the youngins do get involved, big things can happen. Mm. And it is also an example that youngins when they don't get involved, big things can happen to their detriment. Something right. like Brexit or Trump. Yeah. So maybe if they were to vote more, it wouldn't just be people who are sixty four deciding everything. Yeah. So let us let's, so, let's start there with the voting and, and this idea of youth suffrage and you know, the voting age. Like why is it eighteen? Um, Is is that an arbitrary distinction? Because you can be tried as an adult if you're 16, you you know what I mean? Like the the government's definition of what an adult is and why you are now all of a sudden um, ready to vote at the age of 18. It is very arbitrary and it has to do with what the definition of adulthood is. Like there is kind of a universal acceptance that there is a difference between a child and an adult and there's obviously the system of puberty and adolescence that comes in between then. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like, for example, when you said you can be tried as an adult when you're 16, I think that's just the United States. I'm pretty sure in the UK, Ireland, and Europe, you can't. It just happens, has to be 18. And even in the US, um, they have to give special circumstances and reasons for why they would be trying you as an adult mm. for whatever particular crime it is. It isn't just a default. So it's kind of, it, the term is the age of majority. It's when you, when you ascend from being a child to joining the rest of everybody as the majority. Mm-hmm. So... It is kind of arbitrary. If you check the Wikipedia page, there's a list of all the different things. The biggest block is 18, but then there's other ones before and after. So like in the Middle East, um, in the tradition of Islam, 15 in Saudi Arabia, but it kind of depends on when you physically show signs of maturity. Wow. So which, do they check for chin hairs when you go to vote or something? Like what's... Well, I think it's, 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 well, it's more gross than that. And you don't vote in Saudi Arabia, okay. <laughs> most importantly. Yeah, good point. <laughs> and, it probably has more to do with marrying off young girls, right? which is not good. No. And I mean, I know you're supposed to have you know cultural objectivity when you're talking about these things, but to be honest, it is kind of just an old tradition that should be gotten rid of. And mm-hmm. <laughs> You should really just wait until people are old enough to be able to be adults for those kind of things. Yeah. Um, just because you look like you're an adult doesn't mean you are. Uh, for some reason, it's 20 in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. They okay. just decided that they wanted to be a little bit different down there. Um, probably something to do with the Hobbits. And in the US, it's kind of split. So you can get a full driver's license and drive a Humvee at the age of 16, but you can't buy a bottle of beer until you're 21. Yeah, that's weird. But you vote when you're 18 because they brought in the 26th Amendment in 1971 that lowered the federal age of voting to 18. And they decided that they had to do that because there were so many hundreds of thousands of American soldiers fighting in Vietnam, but not being able to vote. On oh my God, yeah. What's going on. So they decided to bring that in to try and you know let them vote, but also still go off and shoot guns and get yeah, shot. You are old enough to go off and die for your country but you are not old enough to have a say in how your country makes those decisions. Precisely. That was, that was the conundrum at the time but now you still have a very strange conundrum where you can still go off and fight for your country but when you come home you can't buy a whiskey to help de- deal with the, the post-traumatic stress. <laughs> <laughs> God. So yeah, it is kind of strange, it is kind of arbitrary but it is generally accepted that 18 is the time that you have to move from being a child to being an adult and it's not just Legal rights that you have, it's also legal responsibilities. Mm which become a lot more important. So did you actually check um, the Wikipedia page for adult when you were researching this? No, I didn't think to. I thought I had a pretty good uh, grip on what being an adult was, but I guess not. Well, I just wanted to figure out what the kind of different, um, you know, age of majority terms were. But there is a photograph on the Wikipedia page (laughs) that says a group of adult people. And it's just a group of like Victorian people lounging around. (laughs) Hold on, let let me get this up. Uh... (laughs) when i think when when i'm picturing grown-ups this is what comes to mind oh my god this is amazing isn't it there's a guy there who looks like an off-brand teddy roosevelt yeah i did notice that It must be around the same time (laughs) that's a good look oh man it looks like um like a really bad comedy troupe from the victorian era Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's pretty fantastic. It's it's like their, definitely... no, it looks like they're S Club 7. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll put a link in the show notes so everyone can get a look at this fucking wonderful picture. This is my we favorite got... JPEG. This is my favorite collection of pixels on the internet now. <laughs> Um, I was talking about the responsibilities. I just wanted to bring up something that I remember from last year that was fucking hilarious. But um, there was a 30-year-old dude in the state of New York called Michael Rotondo who was being sued by his parents to try and get him out of the house. (laughs) Because he was... (laughs) He was basically lounging around and scabbing off them for so long, and they, uh, they actually like they got to the point where they, like as as a family they couldn't work it out, so they decided to treat him as a tenant, and they gave him an eviction notice for like two weeks, which is the standard. And they like they they even offered to give him money. They explained the different things that he could sell to try and set himself up. He didn't, and he was like, no, I don't have a job. So it actually went all the way to the Supreme Court of the state of New York. Oh my god! And the judge was like. You are a little prick. I'm going to treat <laughs> you like a lodger. Get the fuck out of your parents' house right now. What and was th- like, there was video footage of him representing himself, trying to explain how he needed more time, and his parents had responsibilities to him. Oh, but no, the judge decided 30 is pushing it. Oh my God, that's a, that's hilarious. What was his name? Michael Rotundo? Yeah, Rotundo. Oh man, Rotondo. that's like that thing we talk about, per- Persona Matipaia. The person's name sounds like what they are. <laughs> Like uh, Bill Gunderson, who looks like a big um, middle-aged used car salesman from Idaho or whatever it is. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Michael Rotunda is the definition of persona modapea. Oh, that's great. That's fucking good. That needs to be a movie, like uh, a movie with Steve (laughs) Carell. That's brilliant. Okay. Uh, youth politics. <laughs> yes. You, ca- you have in the notes, you're asking, like, are there any movements to have? Yeah. The... So there's, there I heard before about, so I, I got interested in this from an episode of the West Wing where there's like a youth group who are visiting the White House and they get in a debate with Toby Ziegler. Yes. And they're talking about, you know, why are we, we're, why are we under-repre- underrepresented? Like no one cares about us until we can vote. So we have, there's a movement, you know, no vote, no voice. So does that affect kids? Um, and like is there is there any movements to lower that down to a different age like I heard about training wheels for citizenship was one thing but is this thing that did anything ever get any traction on this subject no it's oh. the quick answer okay. um some people think it should be dropped down to 16 and there was I think the Scottish referendum in the UK had 16 as the as the age of enfranchisement for that but most people generally accept that voting is something that adults should do mm-hmm. um some people have come up with the idea that maybe, adults who have kids should get like a half a vote extra so they can represent their kids as well. But then people also pointed out that generally adults and their children don't usually get along on things like politics. Usually ends up being things that they fight about. And then plus they would just end up like you would just be giving parents more votes than adults who don't have kids. Which doesn't seem fair. There are small organizations like like personified by that one in the West Wing where you have the little dweeb talking to Toby Ziegler about whatever's going on. (laughs) But like that's not That's not a a real salient issue. And perhaps it could be because when you don't have um, like a vote, you you don't get that much attention. Mm. And most civil rights movements and revolutions that came for people to fight for enfranchisement involve mass protests and perhaps even violence campaigns. But to be honest, a bunch of 12-year-olds... Aren't allowed to go outside without their parents' permission. So how are they supposed to organize a mass protest to get votes? Right. And there's more important things like Minecraft. So that's true. Yeah, it's it's not it's not really a big thing. Um, I personally don't think that giving young people a vote at an earlier age will lead to kind of more politically literate citizenry. Just because you're 18 now doesn't mean you run out and vote. Mm. In fact, we all know it's quite the opposite problem. People yeah. generally don't tend to vote until they're well into their 30s. Um, so I don't see why suddenly changing that arbitrary age is going to make a difference. I think things have to be done at an earlier stage to educate people as to why they have to use their vote when they get it. Cool. So what what can be done then? So do you think that getting people involved from a younger age will lead to a more politically li- literate citizenry and that we'll have less kind of modern political disenfranchisement as a result? Like, how do we do that? Well, it's not even get involved, I guess, um, certainly education or at least trying to, to educate um, young people that they have a stake in the societies that they live in. It's not just like I guess you have to start teaching them about the responsibilities that they're going to be having when they get there. Mm. It's not about just what they're entitled to and all the cool stuff that happens when you're an adult. It has to be like, oh, you're a citizen. You have to, you have to actually take an interest in what's going on around you and not just let the the people who want to dominate things, dominate things. I was thinking about this yesterday when I was preparing the notes, and the thing that sprung to mind was um, the Hitler Youth. They're like really super engaged about what they were into, and yet they they weren't like active citizens in it. But I think that we should like take that evil, awful idea Mm. and use it for like democracy. So you should have like a, a democracy youth. Right and figure out a way to get people so super psyched about the idea that they live in a democratic country and they have all these, these rights and responsibilities. In the same way that, you know, you had all the Aryan kids jumping around and getting excited about the fact that they were going to join Hitler's army. Right. So more like raps about politics. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. So you have the voter or die thing that's been trying to go on in the US for about 20 years and it always, it, it collapses. Yeah. Actually, voter die die is, is the wrong thing. That was the South Park parody of it. Yeah, it was rock the vote, isn't it? It was wrong to vote. Yeah. <laughs> vote or die, that sounds a bit <laughs> harsh. Think back, like what kind of civic education did you have when you were going through high school? I, uh, secondary school. Um, <laughs> we had a civic, CSPE, civic, social, political education. And uh, from recollection, it wasn't great uh, in terms of what we covered. I remember there was a lot of poster making. <laughs> for like there was a lot of, OK, there's this local council issue or a lot of, basically a lot of making posters are things like recycling more. And I don't know, it felt like I was, we were almost being talked down to a little bit. And I would much rather have been thought about like proportional representation and, you know, getting you ready for when you, you know, because if we were 15, 16, learn about this stuff, it's not too long before you, mm. you're you of that voting age. So it's a perfect time to get you ready for your first vote. And when that came, when that age came around, I had no idea really. So I just, Perhaps, felt, I felt like it wasn't really doing much. Just to bring it back to the question about lowering the voting age, maybe if you lowered it to fifteen and you tied it in with an education that's happening, and when you're still in the formal education system, then that probably, maybe, could be a way to actually get people engaged. So it's like you're not just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's almost like um, like a like your driver's license test. Yeah, like you've got you're, skin you're, in the game because there's an yeah, actual exactly. tangible outcome here. Yeah, you're not just like making posters for something that might happen in the future. You're actually like, oh, well, we're going to teach you about how you need to vote in this election that's coming up, because lo and behold, you're going to have to vote. Just like when you're driving a car, you need to know how to stop the car or else you're going to crash it. Yeah, I vaguely remember when we were making those recycling posters that when they were being thrown out, they weren't being recycled. <laughs> like That's a vague memory. Yeah, <laughs> That's a pretty good metaphor and symbol for the entire democratic system. As it, it stands. <laughs> yeah, but even aside from CSPE, there was stuff that our, maybe our school is particularly good at I don't know if your secondary school did stuff like this either but we had like a school prefect system we had a student council that kind of thing and I was actually involved in both when I was in first year I was a school prefect nerd (laughs) and then when I was in my final year I was on the student council Um, isn't the prefect thing isn't that in Harry Potter yeah that's in Harry Potter there's prefects and head boys and head girls okay but uh, when we were in school the prefect was just you just carried a you just did you just did grunt work basically you just had to carry the (laughs) roll call book to the office, and occasionally there was things where they wanted to get students' opinions, and they called all the prefects in, and I was given a badge, um, but the badge may as well have said, "Hey, bully me, so <laughs> bully me more." <laughs> uh, but there, there were those kind of vaguely kind of political things because I, I was voted prefect, like it was a, it was a some sort of democratic process, and same as school council. This- was this kind of just like nominating who you wanted to go inside the Wicker Man? Did the other kids just decide <laughs> who they wanted to vote to bully? So then they decided it was you? I guess. Oh, my, oh man.
1: Oh, Sorry to burst
0: your bubble there. <laughs> oh, my whole childhood is crumbling around me now. <laughs> this is like when I took you down off your pogo stick that time as well. Oh, man. I was. Uh, yeah, I've been talking more and more about that pogo stick recently. Everyone just keeps <laughs> laughing at me about it. Um, but yeah, no, so and and then also like when we went to college say we've talked about this before the mm. um you know student count, the student unions and the like you and me are on the Society Life Committee. I've actually been involved in a lot of you politics and I never really realized it. And that's why you always had this inclination that maybe you should know more about and be involved with more of the big boy politics. Yeah, because I've been doing it for years. I just didn't realize it. And this is all leading up to a question that you have in the notes which you're refusing to ask so I can answer it. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, are are these things, are these little microcosms of politics, are they beneficial and are they representative of, of politics as a whole when you go out into the big wide world? Yes, they are absolutely representative politics as a whole. When I was in student politics in DCU, um, after a while, I got really, really, really fed up and annoyed with how it was and, how, and the personalities and all the clashes that was going on just seemed really arbitrary and useless. Yeah. and And then whenever I went into big boy politics, I I quickly had exactly the same feelings. <laughs> so in that in that sense, yes, it is. At the moment, those kind of systems or organisations as a means of engagement, they don't really seem to to lead to people being engaged citizens afterwards. Like I know presidents of student unions who who were like massively involved in their in their student politics for a couple of years, but then once they graduate, they just drop it. And then like you'd ask them about something going on in the actual political world, and they're like, "Oh, I don't care about politics." It's it's like that didn't transfer to an interest or an engagement in big boy politics afterwards. Yeah. so like we, th- we knew a lot of people in those spheres and I can only think of less than a handful yeah. of people who actually are are, are in a, are, you know, in any way engaged in politics after and the And it usually is the people who were like involved in the youth party political organizations and then they got involved in the student politics. Like they tend to just use it as a system to train their next generation of politicians and politicos. So hmm. I really think it's just kind of a breeding ground for that. Like, for example, Leo Veracker and Theresa May were both in their student organizations back in college, mm. and now they're the leaders of their countries. Maybe Donald Trump should have been. Maybe he would have been a better president. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's there's much much to be done there. Luckily, we have an interview with someone who has a lot more faith and confidence in the ability of these youth organizations to try and lobby for youth rights and, and get pe- young people more interested in what's going on. Yeah. Who, who are we talking to? We're going to talk to Una, but before we talk to Una, I want to bring in something else. Um... There's this dude called David Runciman and Hugh Linehan mentioned him in the podcast last time. He hosts the Talk in Politics, the Cambridge University po- um, podcast, and he's also uh, like an academic and writer in his own right. Mm-hmm. And I recently listened to um, an audio book by him called um, How Democracies Die. Mm-hmm. And he spent a lot of time talking about how. Youth, the youth is what drives revolutions and reforms. And one of the big problems that we have in the, the current Western world is that we're getting old as a, as a demographic and as a, a demography. Is that the word? Sure, I just made it up. Okay, <laughs> that's part of the reason why we're seeing a lot of stagnation and trouble. So it's not just like as as an as a system, our modern democratic system is kind of in its middle age. But then also so is its population, and the things like the Arab Spring. And um, that was that was essentially all just young people on the streets coming out and doing it yeah. because you need young people to try and drive these things forward. The Irish Revolution back in the 20s, granted, you had a bunch of L fellows with mustaches leading it, but the people that were doing most of the work and indeed Michael Collins himself, he was only in his 20s and 30s when he was involved in that. Mm-hmm. There was so much youth people getting involved. And the fact that our general population is getting older means that it's not that easy to try and spark these things like the. The 1968 was a big, famous time in um, the Western democratic system. We had spontaneous revolutions and protests all across the world. Like you had the French st- student movement in Paris. Um, you had loads of protests in the US against the Vietnam War and civil rights and that kind of stuff. Um, there was bits going on in the UK. I think Ireland probably got in on the in in the game like we always do, probably in '69 or '70 because we're always late. Mm-hmm. And those kind of things seem to not likely not not be happening as much and it is a big problem because that's going to lead to stagnation in our political system. And people just the the extent of people's involvement just reclining in their easy chair and tweeting about. Exactly. Just giving out about it as opposed to and like going for things like ah we should just Brexit it, shouldn't we because that's the easiest solution that I can understand and then by the time it actually happens you're dead and your children have to deal with it if you have the children because there's no children left because yeah exactly Um, so yeah I just wanted to throw that bit in as well so, so I don't know what's the solution to that one I guess it is try and get young people to be more engaged so that the young people that we have are actually helping to change the system or just go out and have loads of unprotected sex and make more babies. Great, I'm on it. <laughs> hey Kate. <laughs> Wake <Wait, wait, come>. up. <laughs> she's going she's gonna to kill me. <laughs> the, the Irish hospitality part, whenever we have a guest, is always feels like I should offer you tea or coffee, even though I can't do anything <laughs> to get you tea or coffee.
1: Don't worry, I'm at my desk and I have a coffee here, so all good. Okay, I took care
0: of it myself. Oh, you're very welcome for, for that <laughs> coffee then. Did you actually brave the cold and the snow of Brussels to head into the office for this?
1: I did because I had to go to my office anyway because actually I left my snow boots here. So that's the first oh. thing I needed. And there's a bookshop around the corner that I wanted to go to anyway. So I was like, oh, it's easier. Plus, the internet's better at the office than it is at home.
0: Fair enough. Snow boots is not something we've had to have a guest talk about before. No.
1: I know, right? So grim.
0: How do they differ from normal (laughs) boots?
1: They've got a lot of rubber at the bottom so you don't slip. I was like slipping and sliding the whole way in in normal boots but rubber boots you just wander along and you'll be fine.
0: How snowy does it have to be before you can put on big comical skis and just ski to work like a cartoon?
1: I don't think it would take much, to be honest. I had someone here in my office yesterday who was like, yeah, can I borrow this? I'm going cross-country skiing in Belgium. I was like, OK, there's a lot in that sentence that I don't (laughs) identify with
0: at all. So So, um, we are chatting to you, Clark, formerly resident of Ireland, as you can tell by her accent, (laughs) but now living and working in Brussels. Um, You work for an organisation called the European Youth Forum. I do. First of all, we'll ask you to just explain to people what is the European Youth Forum and what do you guys do?
1: So the European Youth Forum is basically a platform that represents youth organisations across Europe. Um, So we have over 100 member organisations. And while it's really difficult to count the number of young people we represent, it's probably anywhere between 50 to 100 million. Whoa. Um, Yeah, (laughs) rather big. So I feel that pressure when I'm sitting here in my office. That's too many. Yeah, I know. Right this is a problem and this is I suppose the problem with young people is that there's
0: too many of them and you're trying to get rid of them there's
1: too many of them yeah no it's like uh, because there's so many You know, young people, it's the only thing that binds them together. They have all different views, opinions, personalities, backgrounds, so it's really hard to represent a group of people solely by their age, because it's the only thing. Mm. Um, So yeah, that's something that we uh, try to cope with. But yeah, we represent youth organisations around Europe, kind of on the one side National Youth Council, so in Ireland it's the National Youth Council of Ireland, obviously. Um, And then on the other side we represent big international organisations, so in groups, uh, faith-based organisations, party political youth organizations, volunteering organizations, so different kind of sectors. So yeah, we have quite a wide membership.
0: And what does the European Youth Rights Forum think youth rights are? Like, how do you define your purview of your day-to-day operations?
1: Yeah, so basically, the Youth Forum's mission, I suppose, is to empower young people to participate actively in society. So that's a lot of words um, that appears on our website a lot, but uh, it basically means to try and um, encourage them to get involved in uh, civic life, uh, political life, but also to ensure that their rights are protected. Um, the right to participate, but also the right, for example, to work. So we work quite a lot on employment and jobs, particularly after the financial crisis, Mm. the right to future security in kind of a climate change sort of way. Um, So ensuring sustainable development and that the planet isn't being uh, used by this generation to our detriment. Um, And also then to make sure that young people are well represented in politics to make sure that their voice is heard at the decision making table. Um, So, yeah. Quite a lot, a broad range of things. Um, But as I said, we work here in Brussels at EU level. So we focus mostly on targeting the EU, UN and also the Council of Europe.
0: And what kind of split between like in terms of the work that you guys do, what kind of split is it from trying to motivate young people to, to recognise their responsibilities as citizens compared to lobbying for their rights?
1: Um, I suppose we do kind of, we work up and we work down. I mean, it's interesting for us because it's very strange. You represent, as I said, this huge number of young people, whereas we don't per se meet so many of them ourselves here because we have quite a lot... Of, we have layers of membership, you know, we have the National Youth Councils and then they have their own members who have their own members. So sometimes we're five or six levels away. Um, so we do try and provide material and things like that for actual outreach to young people and to talk about, you know, what the what the responsibilities, I suppose, are. But we also do quite a lot of making their voices heard here. It's kind of a difficult one because um, often we see that the responsibilities are maybe ex- Perspective of young people, kind of the so-called snowflake generation, um, but their rights aren't recognised on the other side. So it's kind of about balancing the two.
0: And do you have any specific examples of issues or policies that the European Youth Forum has been directly able to affect?
1: Yeah, so for example... One big thing and the most obvious, I suppose, issue that we work on here in Brussels is Erasmus. You know, the story, it's most, for most people, it's kind of the classic, I'm in a university and I go um, to another country to study in another university. But the Erasmus programme is much bigger than that. 10% of the money is to go towards young people and that's specifically kind of those who are not in, it's not the formal education sense. So we try to reach out to young people from maybe different backgrounds that don't have the opportunities because they're not in universities. Um, And we kind of lobby quite a lot on that and try to increase the budget. It's currently being renegotiated at the moment. So it's very foremost in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, But we kind of protected that last time there was Back in 2012, when it was last being negotiated, uh, there was talks about maybe it doesn't make sense to have this separate programme. Maybe it should be uh, integrated, Erasmus as something else. Um, And we kind of reached out and worked with our member organisations as well to protect uh, Erasmus as a concept. And since then, I mean, this time
0: everyone's raving about it. So Raving in a good way, with glow sticks and everything. Yeah, exactly. That's the advantage of having loads of Germans in your organisation. They do know how to bring out the glow sticks and the party dances. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, always. (laughs) Speaking of which, um, why is it important, do you guys think, to organise on kind of a European scale? Um,
1: I think that there's kind of, first of all, the most obvious example is that uh, a lot of what's being done in one country, another country can learn from it. So we have quite a lot of that kind of peer learning within our membership. Um, and also we encourage governments to do the same. So for example, um, a strategy was set up at EU level um, and part of it was encouraging member states to work with uh, the national youth councils. And then some member states realized, well, actually we don't have any national youth council. So they worked kind of at member state level to set up Uh, National Youth Council based on best practices from other countries but within our membership there's also that kind of effort we have examples like National Youth Councils of Austria and Germany particularly reaching out to countries like Georgia, Belarus to try and boost civil society there where it may not be as uh, positively viewed as it is in Germany and Austria so to boost um, the voices of young people there and to make sure it's heard by the government and by other stakeholders.
0: Is Brexit a big issue on the table at the moment? No. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um,
1: this is, that's the honest answer. It's always strange. You know, I come home over Christmas and I've everyone sitting around asking me like, OK, and Brexit and this and that. And how's it going? First of all, I have no in- more insight than you guys do, despite sitting here. Um, I don't hear anything. And the other thing is that over here, people are just really tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that it's important for Ireland and, you know, obviously the UK, it's non-stop chat as well but the rest of Europe is really just like oh are they not gone yet okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh wow and your organisation, like um, you've, you mentioned, Belarus and other non-EU countries. So I presume the, the UK organisations that you represent can still remain part of the European Youth Forum after Brexit. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, they've been working quite a lot on Brexit, the British Youth Council. Um, but we've kind of we haven't participated so much in that discussion. But they will remain active members, and we have to see um, to what extent they will be able to still enjoy the benefits um, of being a young person as an EU citizen versus a young person not.
0: Are there ever? Uh, are there ever any um, worries that this kind of stuff is just operates as breeding grounds for the future kind of out of touch political classes? Like by making a group around this, is it is any fear that will become insular?
1: Sure. Uh, we get that question all the time from the institutions, <laughs> <laughs> particularly from the countries that come together and sit in very insular buildings themselves here in Brussels and chat away about how uh, we don't... Uh, we're not real young people. Um.
0: (laughs) When you go go into meetings, do you like turn your back, your, baseball cap backwards and get your chair turn it around and sit on the backwards like A.C. Slater from Saved by the Bell For
1: sure absolutely <laughs> throw on runners and stuff you know yeah. like because I work in the office so it's a bit like when you work in the Brussels bubble everyone's walking around in suits and all like this and then you come to our office and there's beanbags and everyone's dressed <laughs> like walking around their socks <laughs> like it's a bit of a start up you yeah. know
0: Everyone's like what's the hippity haps with politics these days
1: Exactly and we're like trying to explain because there's half of the office here doesn't work on politics issues. They work on events or finance or stuff like that. Mm. So we're trying to explain to them always what the hell we're doing. But yeah, we do get the question quite a lot and I mean the answer I suppose from our side is that, you know, we don't have random young people per se. I mean, we're a membership organisation. We represent a lot of young people but it's representative democracy in the way that... Governments are elected as well. I mean, the people that we have here are elected to represent. Um, So it is definitely a group, but we consciously make an effort as well to really try to reach out uh, to more young people and bring them uh, into the conversation. And we have amazing examples like... You guys have probably heard of the Scouts. Um, They do amazing work in Greece, for example. They go down there and they're reaching out to migrants that have just arrived in terms of integration measures um, to try and bring them into society. And this is something where governments have obviously failed, but young people and their youth organisations are doing it, which is amazing. And it's never really heard of when we go into those buildings and people are like, you're not representative, you don't represent anyone, the average young person doesn't know who you are.
0: Mm. And then I guess you're kind of throwing shade back at them by saying, yeah, well, who the feck are you? You anonymous EU drone who's been working here for 30 years. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to say, say such a thing because I'll definitely get into That's in a problem. direct
0: quote. You heard it
1: here. <laughs> um, no, I mean, we have really good uh, working relationships, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's it's their job to question us. It's our job to question them and we'll both uh, fulfil what we're supposed to do, I suppose.
0: So switching gears to the more long game Macro view of things. And this will be an easy question. Una, what are we going to do when we're all old as fuck? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, my One of my colleagues here in the office has been working on a report on the future of work and to see kind of, I mean, also the digital thing, but also that question like, OK, retirement is, and everyone's getting way older. And honestly, I mean, I think that the the decisions will have to be made and hard choices will have to be made about whether, um, whether it, it's a question of, you know, do we raise retirement age? Do we, uh, I mean, obviously, there's a we had a funny situation in Bulgaria last year where the Prime Minister of Bulgaria told a EU youth conference that um, everybody should be having more children and that was our duty <laughs> 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 so that's another solution um, yeah I mean I think it's something that has to be addressed and we're kind of looking also at the long term issue, seeing okay is that something that we need to pay more attention to and I think this future of work report will be the first thing to look at it but it's also something I mean It's also not very, you know, these issues are not very sexy youth issues, but issues like taxes and pensions are all really related to young people, despite it seeming really far away. And uh, we're talking now about, okay, how do we maybe see how we can work a bit more on that?
0: Cool. And um, you mentioned uh, in the email exchange we had before that you guys are kind of looking at how the democratic process could be changing, like digitalization and social media and that kind of stuff. So are you guys trying to plan for democratic structure is actually changing as opposed to just the writing a vote on a piece of paper thing that we've been carrying on for the past 100 years?
1: I mean, we're not particularly working on it actively. I love to throw this this question out frequently in my office (laughs) and outside. Um, But I think it is a thing that, I mean, if you look at how young people engage, we found out that young people tend to engage more on single issues. You saw that in Ireland. People went out in huge numbers to vote on repealing the eighth and for marriage equality but then still don't go out and vote in general elections. Um, so the kind of question there is like, if young people vote on single issues, but they're being asked to vote on a whole rig of issues at the same time, is that a system that's fit for purpose to reflect how young people interact? Does it take account of social media, disinformation and new ways of getting information? Um, These are all questions that I'm throwing about. And I mean, from my side as well, we constantly hear that, you know, the EU is really far away. Nobody understands it. I certainly remember when I was in college getting told how it worked and I was like, I don't know any of that. And it's only by being here and Participating in it, that I started to understand how it works. It's not easy still. I still don't get it at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of like, you know, instead of it saying, you know, we need an EU that's more transparent, that is more accountable, maybe it's a thing of, okay, well, what does that look like? How can we include these new ways of participating? Should a survey count the same as a vote? Um, should a protest have? political weight and power um i think that these are all questions about the future of democracy and how and how it operates that we need to kind of consider first of all in the hypothetical sense because i mean it's also it's not just political it's social it's economic and it all needs to fit together but i think it's something that we can start thinking about definitely
0: yeah them young people they better start thinking about it <laughs> do i do i still count as a young person since i'm 31
1: I don't
0: know. <laughs> no, that's not the answer I wanted. <laughs> I'm 28. Is that any better?
1: Well, I'm 28 too. So, okay, so we're kids. Um, we,
0: let's both agree yeah, that we're children. Kids.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, the thing is that it depends off from country to country. We constantly got asked this, like, what's a young person? And we're like, I don't know. You have to check in your country what it is. Um, because we do a lot as well at UN level. And they're trying to figure out, you know, okay, we need a definition. So we normally say youth is is the transition from childhood to adulthood. And that can be as long as or as short as uh as you make it, but it can be everything from university to uh, marriage and kids so
0: yeah uh, well i can tell you that the amount of money that i spend on very childish things can definitely testify to the fact that i'm never going to transition into adulthood so yeah, yeah i'm grand and not a day <laughs> goes by where i'm not dabbing so
1: <laughs> very good <Yes>. good start
0: <laughs> thanks very much for joining us una una thank you so much
1: thank you guys
0: uh, enjoy your your um skiing home
1: yeah i'll do my best <laughs> with the oh. snow boots now yeah. <laughs>
0: hopefully it's downhill
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh God, help! I don't know if I could actually ski uphill. I'll give that a go. Can anyone? I don't know. The
0: Swiss, Maybe the Swiss cross-country
1: definitely. skiers are good at it. Maybe. I don't know. Not my area of expertise for sure. Oh, well,
0: now we've been we've been misled on what this interview is going to be about. <laughs> thanks, know <laughs> Thanks very much.
1: Thanks, guys.
0: Well, that was a lot more positive than what I was talking about. Yeah, you you, you have this thing of every so often you'll go, oh, hang on one second, I have a comment. And then you'll just throw in this like dystopian spanner into my works of how I understand the world. And you did it there before the interview. But yeah, she has a much more positive outlook on things. She did bring up the same kind of things I was talking about. She did, but, she did, yeah. And the fact that she works in it and actually has to deal with the solutions is opposed to just me who has to drop a load of notes and observations and not actually fix anything and then just drop it and walk <laughs> away and go, hey, well, that's let me just... That's my participation done <laughs> So it is It is very important That we listen to people Who are not just Steve Who is not just making it up Yeah exactly uh, People like Una Who is wonderfully eloquent And thank you so much For, for taking the time Una uh, Is that it Steve? That's it That's the youth That's the youth
1: Thank you so
0: much Steve Oh Jesus Christ That's how you That's how you say youth In London isn't it You go youth Youth I know that from that TV show Luther You know that show Luther I never watched Luther Luther, but you know Luther. it's got it, it's got Idris Elba, yeah, big hard London fella. Um, I know Idris Elba mostly from um, The Wire, where he mm. plays Stringer Bell, who's like a quiet, um, huge, dominating persona, but like very softly spoken and kind of intense and quiet. But then, and that's and then that's where I like got to know him over three or four seasons. And then I watched Luther, where he's this big, yelling Cockney detective. It's like, all right, you slags, we're going to go solve a murder now, idiot. Oh, you're old Dermis Luffa coming in, all right, you you. <laughs> Does he say the number three like free? Free? <laughs> um, how many murders? Free, free? Is it? Oh, you bunch of serial killing slags! <laughs> that's that's pretty good actually. I've never watched Luther, but that sounds bang on. But the, anyway, whenever we were talking about this episode, whenever I was thinking youth, I was just thought youth, youth, youth. 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 <laughs> and then if you're in Ireland You say "ute." Ute. Yeah we don't pronounce our THs Apparently there's an actual reason for that It's that the TH didn't exist in the Irish Gaelic language Yeah exactly Like the number 3 is T r i fada In the Irish language isn't it So yeah. there's no equivalent TH sound. So that's my reason for saying 33 and a third 33 really. and a third Yeah God, God damn it uh, What out Okay yeah uh, Admon <laughs> on politics On Twitter and Instagram Yes. And what politics at Gmail if you want to get in touch. We've been getting we've been getting an influx of lovely messages from people. It's really nice. We have, yeah, they're really making this worthwhile. So uh, we also have a Ko So yeah. we're gonna ask you for actual money if you want to give it to us in exchange mm-hmm. for this free podcast that we give you. Yeah. But you can also send us nice messages. Um, send yep. us suggestions for topics that you want us to cover yeah absolutely absolutely and uh, if you don't have money to give to Kofi if you want to just share on Twitter or whatever social media and tag us in it um, saying why you like the podcast maybe linking to your favourite episode then we will send you that bonus episode that you would get if you were to donate to us on Kofi as well if you also want to spray paint the Wadam Politics logo over the the side of your local supermarket and take a photograph of it and tag Richie personally and tell him he told you to do it (laughs) Maybe don't... Well, actually, hold on. If you can get the font right, then yeah, go for it. <laughs> but I don't want any off-brand bullshit. <laughs> Never mind the vandalism. That's, what's, that's what you're concerned about. Yeah, I think the font is called Mary Filled or something. So if you want to use that as a reference, use it. Use a teal background, a nice white, a little bit of a drop shadow. Going back to per, um, pers- Persona Motipea, is that what it is? Oh, my God. Per- persona Motipea. What would Mary Filled look like if she was a real person? <laughs> Mary Field owns the worst bakery in London. Yeah, I had a really matronly look in my head as well. Yeah, look like she she's the she's the sweetest person you ever did meet, but my god her bakery is awful. There's all this pie is just knuckles. <laughs> Eat it all oh, you slag. Mary Field this pie is horrible. <laughs> when uh, when Gregs when there's that big thing about Greg's doing the vegan sausage roll, she doubled down on double meat sausage rolls. Made of real vegans oh I'm very filled <laughs> okay I'm going to say goodbye now I'm going to go off and do young people things like hanging with my chums and playing tiddlywinks <laughs> I'm going to go dab me a fortnight you dig <laughs> hashtag no. doing it for divine.